and welcome to episode 44 of the Thodcast, conversations about animation. And uh, today, joining me, uh, Philip Elke from Hollywood, I have uh, Jody Pulaski coming to us from Georgia. Hey, Jody, how's it going? It is going wonderfully. It's an exciting time. You know, Christmas is around the corner, but even more importantly, Frozen 2 is around the (laughs) corner. And I'm super excited to be talking with you today because we're going to kind of do a little flashback to my favorite Disney movie, uh, which is Tangled. So I'm excited to be here and excited to talk with you. Yeah, we're doing a little bit of a countdown to Frozen 2 on, on the show. Um, it's been a couple weeks since our last episode, but yeah, I'm so glad to have you back on the show, Jody. You know, you've been super busy, uh, and you know we've all been pretty busy around here. But uh, we wanted to tackle maybe this one last feature-length animated film uh, before getting diving into <laughs> Frozen Two, which we're all super excited for. So yeah, super tangled, excited. tangled from. November 24th, 2010. Uh, do you, you probably remember this fairly well. 2010, that was when you and I both graduated high school. <laughs> yep, and that is exactly how I remember it. I think this movie, it came out after um, uh, The Frog Princess, and I had sort of like gotten over Disney. I, I went to The Frog Princess and I didn't love it. And mm. then it was our senior year, and I remember going to this one in theaters, and I didn't have high expectations at all but you know we came from a small town where Mm -hmm. movie tickets were like five dollars so I was like whatever (laughs) I'll I'll go check this one out tangled I didn't even I don't even remember seeing a trailer but I absolutely loved it from the first time I saw it it brought my passion back into the Disney world the princess world I think it was the first like CGI movie that I fell in love with I know it was their first CGI movie full length at least and I love her spirit. I love her story. And, you know, being like a senior in high school, you feel like you're starting this brand new chapter and Rapunzel is kind of exploring her brand new world. So I thought it was like the perfect time for me to see this. And like I said, it's it's one of my very favorites. Yeah, it's it was a big deal when it came out. Uh, following the previous years, uh, you know, 2009's Princess and the Frog, which was uh, one of Disney's last classically animated feature animated films. Uh, the I guess the most recent is technically Winnie the Pooh in 2011. Have you seen that, Jody? You know, there's a there's couple a... different Winnie the Poohs that came out. The only one mm-hmm. I can really remember seeing re- semi-recently was the one where Zoe Deschanel sings the theme song. But I think that came out when we were in college. So I don't think I saw the one you're referring to. Hmm. That's probably it. Uh, yeah, it came oh. out when we were in college. Yeah, it, it was a little bit under the radar, kind of uh, pushed out in between computer animated projects, uh, between uh, this, you know, Tangled and Wreck-It Ralph. Um, but yeah, so 2D animation, you know, um, it, it unfortunately kind of fizzled at Walt Disney Animation and in um, entertainment in general at least uh, feature film. Uh, But that paved the way for this new method of bringing the Disney animated fairy tale to life, which was through exclusively CGI rendering. 
Um, yeah, this wasn't their first computer animated animated film. This is actually uh, Walt Disney Animation's 50th feature animated film. It was preceded by movies like Dinosaur, Chicken Little, uh, Meet the Robinsons, Bolt. Um, trying to think if there were any others. Uh, you know, Pixar-esque animated mm-hmm. films. That's That pretty much uh, sums it up. But this was special for the fact that it's an animated or a, a musical, essentially. Right. Musical and, and more tale. of a fairy tale storyline that had classically been 2D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was probably originally developed as a 2D animated film. Um, it went through like three different stages of development, and it, it was greenlit in 2001, kind of on the tale of Shrek, um, as Disney kind of wanted to introduce more pop culture-centric fare to their lineup. Um, that That's not what would ultimately... You know, come to fruition with this film so much. Some of their other movies around that time definitely resembled the more pop reference heavy, you know, material like Shrek. But yeah, this is is very much the classic in the classic vein of the Renaissance. You know, The Little Mermaid is definitely, I think, a big influence on this. Uh, and that film actually just celebrated its 30th anniversary recently. I know that's so exciting. I saw a bunch of social media posts kind of just celebrating that story and how it's really still just as popular as it was 30 years ago, that movie. And I I think Tangled is on the same popularity scale. I think, you know, 20 years from now, we're still going to look back and and love this movie just as much. Yeah, a few weeks ago, we released an episode titled, uh, well, we were talking about uh, the last full-length Frozen 2 trailer and the title of the episode was like, you know, trailer talk, Elsa unbraided. And that was a reference to one of the working titles for this movie, Tangled. It, it was originally called, uh, do you remember, Jody? I think like Tangled was first going to be like Rapunzel unbraided and then they wanted to make it a little more like gender neutral and and bring in just a wider audience because like Flynn is such a strong character in Tangled um, Mm. that they wanted to kind of just have a wider audience overall and have a title that was maybe more appealing to males, little boys, a little more action-y. Yeah, Rapunzel unbraided. Uh, Yeah, I never saw Princess and the Frog in theaters and I was, yeah, probably one of that generation. I mean, I would have been a senior in high school when that came out. Um, that was actually, you know, the only time I've ever been to Walt Disney World as well, um, my, my senior year of high school. And at the parks, I saw like a preview of the animation for Princess and the Frog. I, th- I thought it was intriguing that they were returning to this format after, you know, so many years since, you know, their last film in that style. You know, I think it was like Home on the Range and. 2005 2004 um but like it it didn't appeal to me necessarily i mean it was uh ron clements and john musker who had done so many of the classic uh beloved films from my childhood you know little mermaid aladdin hercules um treasure planet but um 
yeah, this one, it just, it, it didn't, <laughs> it felt like something I'd kind of outgrown. Yeah. I didn't click with a lot of people. I think like critics and audiences kind of liked it, but it was a big box office disappointment. And I think one day it would be worth our time to do an episode on the frog princess because like I have a lot to say about things that really didn't hit home <laughs> for me. And well, there are things I like about it and kids like about it, but I think that movie could almost have its own podcast episode. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Stay tuned to the podcast for coverage of the, Princess and the Frog at a later date. Um, we're definitely going to get around to The Little Mermaid probably around the time, you know, either soonish or when the live action version comes out. Um, and yeah, the uh, Tangled now, uh, I did see this in theaters. Uh, I guess I would have been freshman in college, uh, but mm -hmm. I went to college close to home. And so I would often visit home and like I ended up seeing this movie tangled in uh at this tiny theater in in Boston where we grew up I don't know if you saw it there uh as well but... yep that's where I saw it mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah probably around the holidays um yeah it, I have very good memories of seeing I was very pleasantly surprised princess movie was something I thought I had kind of gotten over moved well past in life and sure maybe one day when i have kids you know revisit a lot of these uh, types of classic movies but this ended up being much more of a momentous film than i even realized uh at the time um it was the most expensive disney animated film it, it still i think remains with all of the research and development that went into the nine-year production for this film um and it would go on to yeah change the shape and landscape of that animation studio moving forward for sure yeah i would say it was definitely worth that hefty budget i think you estimated it was like 260 million dollars mm -hmm. uh but like you said a lot of that technology they were just really like tiptoeing into and now they've probably like been able to build off a lot of that you know with these frozen movies not now plural frozen mm -hmm. movies um mm -hmm. and other things um, that have come out since so mm -hmm a good investment, this technology that they brought in for Tangled. And I think they did the perfect job with it, um, not making it too, you know, it still looks like a classic movie. Like they didn't go crazy with it. They kind of kept a lot of the styles, like that 2D style with the CGI um, technology. Yeah, Glenn Keane was originally attached to direct. He's one of the key animators from you know the the 90s the renaissance era um he let's see I'm trying to remember what specific characters he supervised during his tenure tarzan was one i know that was a very advanced model that, <laughs> that he had under his charge uh i think he did work on the beast um possibly ariel was that him uh there so many uh, artists that worked on these. Um, it's hard to uh, Mark 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 Hen. I know did like Bell Glenn Keane. He he did so much fantastic work. Um, I'd have to double check, but um, he uh, was going to be the director for Tangled, but back had to back away due to health issues. They brought in Byron Howard 
from Bolt and uh, Nathan Greeno, who had been a storyboard supervisor on on other films, um, and they co-directed, or you know, they they both. Yeah, essentially co-directed Tangled together. Byron Howard has since moved on to Zootopia and uh, I believe an upcoming uh, untitled project, possibly a sequel to Zootopia. Uh, and Nathan Greeno, uh, unfortunately, his project got shelved at Disney. Um, he was working on the Jack and the Beanstalk adaptation called Gigantic. Oh, you know, I remember seeing some concept art for that project and it is it just scrapped? It's no, it's nothing that's ever going to come out. Yeah, not anytime soon. Um it, they did show images at a D23 Expo a, a few years back, but yeah, that's since been removed from the slate. I think he's gone on to Skydance Studios to uh to work on some things there. His IMDb profile though has been basically inactive since 2014 because of these uh, projects that have been put in hiatus, unfortunately for Aww. him, but uh, obviously great work on untangled. Um, yeah. The, the rendering was for, for tangled, you know, it, it can often look so, you know, plasticky sort of Play-Doh-esque in some of these earlier computer animated films, you know, from like Pixar and DreamWorks and, and like the early, Disney animation films, uh, it doesn't translate that well to like the sketch like style of 2D animation uh, and traditional animation. They had to figure out a way to bring to life natural organic looking curves and textures. They, they looked to inspiration like French painter Jean-Honoré uh, Fragonard, Fragonard, <laughs> I'm probably butchering that, uh, who painted The Swing. It's a famous paint, uh, painting that was directly referenced in Frozen. Yeah, I was going to say, if anybody's wondering, it's that swing that Anna kind of flies by when she's singing um, for the first time in forever. And she's sort of posing with the photos. Uh, you get to see that painting right in their castle. Yeah. So uh, Glenn Keane credits uh, animator Kyle Strawitz for achieving the Fragonard look. Uh, he, like this, Strawitz was able to take the cottage from Snow White and bring it to life in a fully rendered 3D fashion um, in in the testing for Tangled. Um, and then, yeah, eventually, you know, the company Disney went through a regime change with uh, Eisen, Michael Eisner leaving, and, you know, Bob Iger coming in, and Bob Iger also brought in uh, Pixar leads uh, John Laster and Ed Catmull to assume control over operations at Walt Disney Animation. And um, this was one of the projects that was affected uh, during that. Um, and, you know, uh, Laster always a champion for the classic um, ethos and aesthetic of Disney Animation, uh, wanted this to reflect the classics, uh, you know, the princess fairy tales and such. Um, and uh, that's that's why we kind of ended up with, well, well, first off, Princess and the Frog. That was very much a, a John Lasseter uh, tentpole, and then this that um, was maybe a little bit better market tested <laughs> to appeal yeah, to, to so. a wider audience. Yeah, so uh, a little bit of background on 
tangled, pardon my rambling. <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot to know because like this movie was a really, what would you call it? Like, it's a really big stepping stone or like a pivotal moment in the Disney history. Even though it was the 53rd movie, I think it was really the start of something yeah. Yeah. totally new and totally embraced by everyone. I don't think I've ever met someone who didn't like the story Tangled. It has like the right amount of humor and action and sweet moments and the score which I believe is Alan Menken. Uh, is it yeah, Alan yep. For this movie? Yeah, again, it's like the, it's all the right things to make that classic, perfect Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alan Menken, I, I think he had maybe taken a little break uh, from doing Disney movies. Uh, I know IMDb Trivia lists uh, the, this is like the 53rd Disney animated movie, but mm-hmm. I don't know what, where it's getting that uh i mean sure there's certain like theatrical um sequels that they released but uh those aren't listed in the official canon so maybe you know it depends on where you look but when this movie came out um it was presented in the opening credits of the film uh, like the opening titles, uh, there was a special logo for Walt Disney Animation Studios that said the 50th uh, animated feature. So, um, and then if you look I wonder at, like, why official... those numbers are kind of crisscrossed. <laughs> oh, well. IMDb trivia is not not very reliable source to begin with. <laughs> oh, no, don't tell me that. Uh... <laughs> That's where I got fun facts for today's episodes. So, like, yeah, warning. You might have to double check my my statements on this episode uh just like earlier today philip and i were talking that i thought it was national princess day and he looked it up and it looks like it's actually mickey mouse's birthday day so like that's the day we're celebrating too and i probably pulled it up from the wrong website thinking that somewhere out there there that it's national princess day as well yeah yeah it's a momentous day on the day that we're recording this uh november 18th um and yeah, by the time this episode gets released, I will have seen Frozen 2, which I'm very excited for. Uh, I'm seeing it a little early. Um, let's see. Yeah, the uh, Alan Menken did the music for Home on the Range in 2004. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is the biggest flop, I would have to guess. Would I don't know anything about Home on the Range besides I hated it. Oh, no. Did you like it? You're smiling as if you uh, liked it. I thought it was too silly. I, I think when I saw it, I mean, I thought it was fine. I, I was 12. I mean, um, yeah, I, I'm, I haven't seen it in a long time. But it, it probably now just comes off as sort of a meh. Uh, Enchanted. He did the music for Enchanted in 2007. Yeah, he's done the music for a lot of things. I think he did Little Mermaid. I mean, he's mm-hmm. legendary. Yeah. Yeah, his he hadn't done, you know, the anthemic princess, you know, type of uh work for for a little while. Um but yeah, cuz uh, they brought in Randy Newman for the music on Princess and the Frog. Um yes, uh Princess, National Princess Day, National, International. (laughs) Uh, Whatever it is, every day can be Princess Day. So we'll celebrate it. We'll say it's Princess Day as we kind of dive into the plot of this one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, 
it uh, is framed by narration from Zachary Levi's Flynn Rider. Uh, I think it's it's very much a lighter, uh, casual delivery. I, I I kind of appreciate that. Yeah, I like that he sort of bookends the story with his narration. Um, he's a he's a lovable character, you know. He's kind of like one of those quote unquote princes. I guess he's a thief at the beginning, but he he's a very relatable prince, sort of like on the vein of like. Aladdin or Simba. Sometimes you get prince characters or male characters in these princess movies that don't really give anything to the story. If you kind of think back at like the classic Sleeping Beauty, even Prince Eric um, from The Little Mermaid doesn't have much of a personality. But with Tangled, Flynn Rider, it's it's a lot of personality plus some. He he brings a lot to the table. And, and I like the way he tells her story, their story uh, mm-hmm. throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rapunzel played by Mandy Moore. Um, the it, yeah, he talks. It's kind of funny. This is a story of how I died. Uh, just very kind of morbid right off the bat. Uh, this movie does get a little bit dark at times. So I definitely think yeah. it's dark. Um, the original fairy tale is very very sad about Rapunzel. Um, I don't know if anyone out there has sort of read through the original versions of these stories, but in the original version, um, Rapunzel at the end of the story is cast out to the desert to bear twins alone. And the prince falls from the tower and gets um, thorns stuck in his eyes and ends up blind, uh, also like wandering the desert. (laughs) So Disney Mm -hmm. kept it a lot lighter than the original. But yeah, there are some moments, especially with how manipulative Mother Gothel is and you know just kind of the villains the villain moments are are really pretty s- sad and dark you know being yeah. raised by someone who's okay. not your mother saying you more I love you most is pretty pretty twisted <laughs> yeah I we didn't want to miss the origin of the tale of Rapunzel that would be uh, an oversight on our part or on on my part <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I have it here I guess the German fairy tale uh, included in the collection assembled by the Brothers Grimm was published in 1812 uh, as part of children's and household tales, at least according to IMDb. Uh, so, and their adaptation you know, comes from earlier uh, stories, fairy tales, uh, the fairy tale Rapunzel by J. Akeem Kristoff. Um, and yeah, some other sources here. Um, essentially, the typical fairy tale thing of being just transcended through history, kind of passed down um, in various forms. Hard to attribute. I have to say that I like this form best. I like this version. <laughs> better than the old style warning fairy tales that we got from Brothers Grimm and uh, mm-hmm. who did The Little Mermaid, um, Hans, Hans Christian, Christian Anderson. I think that they, <laughs> they, they kept some warnings in there about listening to your parents, but also trusting your heart and being brave. So the 2010 version of Tangled or Rapunzel is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, as these animated films tend to supersede any previous iteration and yeah there's a magical element to this movie uh rapunzel's the first 
princess with like actual magical powers. Mm-hmm. Um, the flower that you know is, is kind of portrayed in a biased fashion, where Mother Gothel's hoarding you know the power of the of the flower. But of course, when when that gets discovered by the king and queen. Um, I mean, they just harvest it and <laughs> not know what <laughs> I thought the same thing. I remember the second time I watched the movie because of course mother Gothel is bad because she's hiding it, mm-hmm. but at least it was still growing. At least it was still alive. You'd think that why didn't they bring the queen to the flower, sing the song and let it keep growing. It was basically the fountain of life over there. Mm-hmm. It could have cured so many illnesses, but they ground it up and they fed it to the queen <laughs> Which, I mean, essentially goes into Rapunzel, but then, I mean, spoiler alert, at the very end, she cuts her hair and then all the magic is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spoiler alert for Tangled. Uh, the, uh, yeah, this Mother Gothel character, she she doesn't really have too great of ambitions within this film. Like, she's not a super powerful witch or anything. I guess you could call her no. a witch. But um, she does. She isn't seen to perform magic outside of the flowers' magic. Yeah, I mean, she basically seems to want to just stay young. She has sort of a vanity problem. She wants to look young, stay young, and make soup and live in her tower with Rapunzel. She's not really like maliciously out there doing anything. It's mm-hmm. it's really just she wants to look good and stay youthful. Yeah. Um, you know, some of Rapunzel's daily activities include uh, numerous rounds of hide and seek with Pascal. I love Pascal, by the way, the chameleon. Me too. He's like <laughs> the perfect comedian for me. I like that he doesn't talk. I like that all of his comedy is more physical. His little squeaks, I guess, here and there, but just his overall mannerisms and the way he sort of plays along, you know, from the beginning with Rapunzel to the end with Maximus. Um, He's a really cute character to have in this film. Yeah, his expressions. Like, he's not too anthropomorphic, but just enough to where, yeah, he he adds a lot of character and personality. Uh, Yeah, she sweeps, mops, does laundry, polish and wax, and shine up. Knitting, cooking, painting, reading puzzles, darts, paper mache, ballet, baking, pottery, ventriloquy, uh, stretching, sketching. Climbing, chess, candle making, guitar, sewing, brushing, and of course, wondering when her life will begin. (laughs) I mean, that's more hobbies than I have ever had, but you have to have that many hobbies when you've been stuck in a tower for, which birthday is coming up for her? 17, 18, 16? She's been Um, in there for lots of years. I, I think I've always understood it to be 18 I don't think oh, it's, it's her 18th birthday. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she's been in there for 17 plus. So that's a good list of hobbies to keep her from going absolutely crazy. Yeah. By the way, uh, kind of a dumb move to tell her her actual real birthday on Mother Gothel, Gothel's part. That's the other thing I thought um, before was when she was born, she was named Rapunzel. And then Mother Gothel kept calling her Rapunzel. Like, you know, with Sleeping Beauty, Aurora, they call her Briar Rose when she's in hiding. That's like her different name that she's raised with. Mm -hmm. You would think that Rapunzel would have had either a different biological name and Mm -hmm. uh, 
stolen name because who would if i stole a child the last thing i'm gonna do is call them the same name it's too obvious Hmm. flynn didn't know that the princess's name was rapunzel so maybe it wasn't maybe she didn't have a name when Um, she was born maybe they just called her princess and they didn't have like a naming ceremony i don't know I don't know. Yeah. Uh, is, is it established that she was named Rapunzel by her parents? Uh, I don't know. All you know is she's called Rapunzel throughout the movie. And in her series, she's called Rapunzel by her family as well. There is there is a Disney series um, in 2D about Tangled. Um, okay. But I, I don't remember them calling her anything as a baby. But I would hope that it wasn't Rapunzel. Well, when she's, yeah, it, well, it makes sense that she'd have a name when she was stolen away because she looks like she'd be, but she has um, precocious hair due to the magic. So she could have just been a newborn, I suppose, when Mother Gothel stole her. Uh, yeah. That must have taken some ingenuity to break into the castle. She kind of just popped in the window. If you remember, she sort of just she really just kind of strolls on into that castle, which is crazy. They obviously changed their security by the time Flynn Ryder came around because he had to have some helping fiends with him and come down from a skylight to get in. Yeah, they're having all kinds of trouble with break-ins. I guess that's what happens when you build such uh, an elaborate, uh, opulent castle, this palace in Corona, the kingdom that's that's one of the coolest castles ever put to screen i would say i know i really wish that at disney world they do have rapunzel's tower um over by it's a small world you can kind of see it you can't go into it um but they have different disney castles at all the parks uh like aurora's cinderella's um mm-hmm. it would be really cool to have the tangled castle if they ever build another park out in the world because it's one of my favorites as well. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so poking a few holes at some of the plot elements here, but I don't know. It's, uh, uh, there are ways to rectify, you know, things, you know, her name, you know, why, why does she know it's her birthday? Uh, you know, Mother Gothel clearly seems to care about Rapunzel to some extent. Um, she, you know, fighting with Rapunzel over the, the idea of like leaving the tower. You know, she's not budging at all, but she does agree to go on a three-day journey to get uh, you know, art supplies for Rapunzel, these shells that she uses for painting. So, I mean, that that's generous of Mother Gothel. <laughs> right. I do think that she does have some type of bond with Rapunzel. I know she teases her a lot throughout the movie, they're looking in the mirror and she's like, what a beautiful, strong, gorgeous girl I see. And she goes, oh, you're there too. (laughs) She she teases her a lot throughout the movie, but, and I don't know if it's the animation is just so good, but when she's like, I love you, I love you more, I love you most. Mm -hmm. Like I can't live with someone like Rapunzel for 17 years and not sort of love her. I think Gothel is just a little bit, bipolar because when she's mad she's really mad but i don't know anyone who would travel three days to get me shells off the beach so i think you're right i think that she does have a bond with her uh, what do they call that when the captive gets bonded with the oh. captive 
the, uh, yeah, Stockholm syndrome. syndrome. <laughs> the opposite of that. She has the she has the the captors version of it. Well, there's um, was it Munchausen's syndrome or oh, Munchausen's? Pretend your child's sick. It's it's Stockholm because that's what people say about Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, um, Bell. You know they want to make it something like this, but I I do think Gothel cares about her. I do think in a way Gothel does convince herself that she's protecting Rapunzel. You know she she sings that song early on. Mother knows best. Um, and some of the things she mentions out in that great wide world, I mean, they're very true. And when she does the reprise and she's like, you think these people out there are going to love you, but like the world isn't perfect. Like I do love you stay somewhere safe. There's like a teeny tiny grain of truth to that. You know, it's, it's risky out there. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we have, yeah, Flynn, he not finds his way to the tower and he interrupts it. <laughs> he interrupts their, their life out there. And yeah, um, endures a whole lot of head trauma that I would think would lead to permanent uh, damage. Uh, some some uh, was like chronic uh, traumatic encephalopathy, <laughs> CTE, because uh, he gets hit in the head by uh, the frying pan three times and then falls out of the wardrobe and hits his head again. <laughs> Anyways, lots of slapstick humor. Yeah, I was going to say it's a little bit Three Stooges-y. With, I don't really like that scene of her shoving him into the closet over and over again, but I'm guessing they put some of that in there for the boys. Yes, it's a very joke-heavy movie. I would say more so than Frozen. Um, that that movie feels a lot more grounded in reality than this does. Um, but yeah, I, I do love and appreciate this film for kind of its zaniness and, and it really does feel like a classic you know, 2d fairy tale very vibrant it has kind of a similar uh aesthetic and the design you know the uh, character design to frozen but very distinct in terms of overall you know the color scheme color palette uh, visual tone yeah um, i i agree yeah. with that they kind of just hopping back to their the type of humor throughout it as soon as Rapunzel and Flynn leave and you know she's all excited about it and he kind of wants to discourage her from continuing the journey and they go to the snuggly duckling mm -hmm. um those characters are ridiculous the ones that they meet I, would you call them vagabonds or maybe just wood woodland folk I, they uh, are <laughs> barbarians are in the snuggly duckling <laughs> it's yeah, she really gets a huge dose of basically what Mother Gothel was talking about and describing the people she'd run into, the characters who exist in the world and pose a threat. Um, I mean, it's subverted heavily during the song where these uh, ruffians are. Ruffians, that's <laughs> right. I was saying vagabonds, well, ruffians. Yeah, any number of these. A vagabond is, is kind of like a tramp or a drifter, but I, I don't think these guys probably have permanent homes. They probably, you know, move from place to place. Do they have a name? I, I was trying to remember. Um, let's see. They're like malicious, mean, and scary. There's a good turn on Clary. I don't think they ever Very. say their name, but, you know, there's that one that kind of looks like Cupid flying around. There's someone with a hook. Oh. They all have a distinct ruffian feature yeah <laughs> but i don't think they have names <laughs> my goiter and my nose 
Um, yep, they all have a little something. <laughs> and then they all, you know, she kind of reminds them of having a dream mm-hmm. and they all sort of join in with her and, and it ends up being a really silly song. Uh, I don't know if it's one of my favorite songs, but it's definitely entertaining. It's hilarious. Uh, all these guys have... You know, very relatively effeminate hobbies compared to their appearance. <laughs> uh, collecting ceramic, ceramic unicorns and knitting, you know, yeah, baking, uh, cupcakes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the guy dressed up as Cupid. He hits on Mother Gothel later, which is <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, he's supposed to be a drunkard, I think. Like, he's a little bit tipsy throughout. I think that's them sneaking in a little bit of, like, an adulthood joke, wouldn't you say? He's a well, little yeah. wily. I, I do like to call attention to the things that adults would appreciate. I mean, I'm a big advocate for viewing these movies as you know, artistic pieces for all ages and uh, you know, not just kids. So like, if something gets past the radar, I tend to uh, you know, find it especially amusing. Um, and yeah, there, there are a few moments in this movie that kind of do that uh, yeah, tall drink of water. Uh, the Stabbington brothers. I just love that name. Those are, his, uh, those are Flynn Rider's original uh, helpers, mm-hmm. uh, but they end up kind of switching sides and being on Gothel's team. Yeah, they're pretty. Yeah. Those are the ones you're talking about, right? Those yeah. two guys. I mean, he just flat out betrays them. I mean, Flynn Rider is not really a good guy. True. But I guess he. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of hear that in the song. They're all singing about their their heartfelt dreams, and he's like, mm-hmm. "I dream of having a lot of money." And Flynn is sort of more <laughs> materialistic with his dreams. I think one of the ruffians even says, "That's a really bad dream." Or he he like they kind of call him out on how shallow his dream is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they still protect Rapunzel. The ruffians do when the Stabbington brothers come in. Uh, because they want her to achieve hers, which is seeing the floating lanterns. And that's sort of when the the chase begins of those two uh, and the Stabbington brothers following behind. Yeah, the castle guards and the Stabbington brothers are out to get Flynn. Uh, yeah, they uh, have to try to evade. Now, Flynn, um, he kind of just sticks out in the open, though, when they ultimately make it to the the castle and, and the yeah the, the city right. Uh, right he's able to walk around pretty freely i just want to hop back one scene mm-hmm. because in between the snuggly duckling and getting to the kingdom it's my favorite part it's because they're getting chased out of the snuggly duckling and they're on their way to the castle um and they kind of have this whole like hullabaloo like they the bridge breaks down or something and the horse is chasing them and they almost die so it's this like traumatic portion (laughs) and she's able to save him because her hair not only you know fixes wounds and gives you youth but it also like lights up and Mm -hmm. that sort of leads their way out of almost drowning Mm -hmm. and the cutest part to me of almost the whole movie is when they're they're warming up by the fire and Flynn opens up about his his past and his childhood and how he he always wanted to be like this dread pirate some pirate you know Oh, yeah. Do you remember uh, this part? Yeah. And then he yeah. reveals that his real name is Eugene. And they, they're they kind of like looking at each other and getting to see each other's real 
selves for the first time in this movie. And it's kind of when they, they get that connection, which I just think is so adorable that they both have these identities that they're a little insecure about. She's insecure about her hair and, you know, also being so innocent that this is such a big change in her life. And he, he's insecure about his past and they can kind of bond on that before having, you know, the dance scene in the kingdom, which, which immediately kind of follows that. I love that part. So I didn't want to skip it. No, it's a crucial moment of, genuine character development and yeah and, uh, they let down their guard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i'm guessing near life uh sorry not not near life near death experiences would make you kind of open up <laughs> quite a bit after that mm-hmm. uh trauma yeah but, but yeah that's when they initially kind of see the love happening because before then he's sort of making fun of her and she doesn't seem to care for him but at that point forward you can tell that they really are starting to care about each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, obviously, just some shallow uh, attraction chemistry between them, I would oh, say. Oh, he's cute. But- <laughs> he's cute. <laughs> the fact that, like, the design of Flynn Rider, at least coming up with his look, was a result of, like, a special meeting that the directors held with some of the female employees of, Disney animation, <laughs> trying to come up with what attributes result in a man being hot. It was, it was called, the, I think, the hot man meeting. <laughs> they had like posters up of all these different um, attractive celebrities from throughout the years. I think Brad Pitt, uh, Johnny Depp, uh, all the way back to Gene Kelly. Yeah, I think David Beckham and Hugh Jackman made that list as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, good choice. But I mean, I don't know. That's that's funny and everything. But if it was 2019 and a bunch of men sat around and had a hot woman meeting, <laughs> I think we'd have a little bit of outrage. But but it is funny that they brought the females in there and kind of talked about characteristics that would go into the ideal looking yeah. man. Now, I don't think Flynn Rider is like the most attractive like the most attractive of the princes. Like I like Aladdin. I like um, Eric, but he's definitely very cute. And when he does the smolder throughout the movie, I think everybody gets a weak stomach, like in a good way, like butterflies in their stomach. Uh, So, so when they go into the city, you'd think he'd be recognizable because of his dashing good looks, but uh, But they can't get the nose right. That's, I guess that's why he's not recognized as easily. Um, they established that they, the uh, wanted posters are never quite accurate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then people are, you know, frolicking and it's a, you know, they're not worried about, you know, any misdeeds. Yeah, when when there's a time of celebration, you know, people tend to... You would think that in the kingdom, though, someone would have recognized him. I read on IMBD, which again might not be correct. Mm-hmm. But on IMBD, it says that there are over 3,000 people throughout the kingdom dance scene, which is supposed to be a, the largest crowd scene of any Disney film before it. That That's how many people you see throughout that. I think it's like a six minute song of them sort of exploring the kingdom. She gets her hair braided. They have a cupcake, they dance. Um, but there's a lot of people yeah. in that kingdom. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very nicely uh populated and and fleshed out you know you feel like you got a good sense of uh place and setting 
Um, and it's so hard to do in this, you know, CGI format, mm-hmm. you know, it just takes so much work to bring that to life. It's, it's a lot of work that doesn't get a ton of play on screen compared to, you know, a similar amount of work that goes into the things that, you know, get the most time, you know, and prominence on screen. You know, it's, it's really a huge and wide disparity in terms of like work hours (laughs) that go into things that are super important to the plot and things that are more ancillary. Uh, But you, you have to have all of it in order to create the full cohesive end product. Yeah. And, you know, 3000 almost pairs in comparison to the next scene because Mm -hmm. from there they go into the, like, I see the light sequence. um, And 45,000 lanterns are in that scene. Can you talk about a lot of animation? (laughs) That is a lot of lanterns. But I mean, that's one of the most beautiful Disney love song moments of all time in my book. Thank you, animators, for putting in 45,000 lanterns because I love, love, love this part of the movie. Yeah, it's so stunning. It really sets the mood. That previous scene of them kind of dancing throughout the evening and you kind of get the mood shifting with, you know, the um, evening golden hour, you know, the colors just totally, like it accentuates an already vibrant visual palette that this film has with the uh, you know the setting of the evening and dusk and uh and then going into this scene of the two of them on the lake surrounded by lanterns <laughs> yeah you're right it really goes from the most energetic scene of the movie all the dancing and the fast-paced fiddling and going into this really romantic calm water sun setting period where you know this is super important because she's about to realize her her dream like her the the whole movie is getting Rapunzel to the kingdom to see these floating lanterns and it is probably one of the most gorgeous transitions Mm -hmm. that you that you see the way that they do this Um, yeah it is it's pure magic Uh, I probably got choked up back when I first saw it in the theaters Um, I mean when that uh, sequence comes on during the new phantasmic. I mean, just forget about it. I'm a mess, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, I see the lights definitely one of the all time classic moments in in Disney. And, you know, they have a little conversation during, well, right before the song sort of begins, they're out in that boat. And what I really love about Rapunzel throughout her movie is her relatability she has, you know, more of the tendency to be self-conscious, sometimes hesitant, you know, with that mixture of like that go get it bold and brave. But this is like another moment that she's really vulnerable and says, I've dreamed all my life about, about this exact moment. And now I'm a little nervous. Like, what if it's not everything I always wanted? And if it is everything I always wanted, like now what? And I think a lot of people you know, have that type of thing, like whether it's like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds and then I'll be happy or I want to move to this city and then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. 
And sometimes you get to that moment, that pivotal moment, you make the move, you make the change, you get the car, whatever. And it's like, well, now what? Because it's really the journey, not to be like Miley Cyrus, like it's the climb. (laughs) And then you get to the top and yeah, it's beautiful, but life doesn't end right there. It's not like, oh, at the end of the movie, they see the lanterns. And that's when Flynn, to me, really becomes a standout character because he says, you know, that's the best part. You get to go find a new dream. Mm. And I think that's a really good a good lesson for everybody that it's not always about just like this one quick second. Like life is more than that. And and then of course he says that you are my new dream. And then yeah. all the girls start crying and say, Oh, I want someone to think I'm their new dream. <laughs> but, but that that conversation I think is really important and, and it's really like pivotal for Rapunzel because she yeah. got what she wanted, but it doesn't stop her from, you know, chasing well, even more. Yeah, dreams are like the central theme of this movie. Uh, it's a common thread throughout Disney, following one's dreams, kind of against all odds. Uh, a character being isolated from the world and wanting to explore more. Um, very, very common trope. Um, but in this in this film, I like that you address that um it it does deal a little bit more with like the crisis of actually attaining your dream and <laughs> then wondering what's next. Mm-hmm. Like it's not always happily ever after. And I can't quite remember after this romantic scene with the lights, they end up somehow back with the Stabbington brothers and yeah. mother Gothel. <laughs> Do you remember how they sort of, I have, I've seen the movie quite a few times, but for some reason I'm drawing a blank well, here, how yeah. they get, from that to the the next they, problem. They don't, yeah, Rapunzel and Flynn, uh, important note, they don't quite kiss. They almost do. No, but it's <laughs> oh, PG. You'd think they'd be kissing in this one. <laughs> yeah, it's a tease for, I guess, later on. Uh, yeah, he sees the Stavington brothers on the short, like uh, Gothel oh, has come into yeah. contact with them. She somehow found a way to steal away the tiara. Um, and um, so th- they ended up back on shore. Um, he, she, uh, you know, Flynn gets apprehended by the Stavington brothers and tied it to the boat, um, Gothel. Um, oh, yep. Then Mother Gothel convinces Rapunzel yeah. that he's leaving her. He got the crown. That's all he wanted. And that Rapunzel has been manipulated. And then she I does guess, her little reprise, uh, well, like saying Mother Doll's Best again. Yeah, we're missing a scene where I think before the lantern lighting, uh, Mother Gothel does encounter Rapunzel and gives her the tiara. Um, oh, because, that's right. She yeah. says, give him this and like watch how fast he'll leave you or something like that, doesn't she? Yeah. Like this is why he's here is sort of like her warning to Rapunzel. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And she, she, but really, she's like double timing everyone because she's using the crown to manipulate Rapunzel, and then she's using the brothers, those Stabbington brothers, manipulating them, saying, like, oh, Flynn Rider is gonna like have the hair, and now you can have the hair. She's really the master of spinning a web with this portion because you know why? Mm-hmm. I think she wants Rapunzel to go back to the tower on her own free will. Mm-hmm. So that they can go back to that, you know, pseudo mother daughter relationship they had before. Like, I don't think she wants to capture Rapunzel. She wants Rapunzel to feel so broken and so mm-hmm. sad that 
she'll go back to the castle willingly and go back to their, you know, mm-hmm. their, their routine. Mm-hmm. And that's why she ends up pulling all these strings. And Rapunzel goes like, no way, no way. <laughs> right? I was kind of concentrating on my notes during a, a bunch of this. So when it gets into the end, like escape, uh, I'm, I'm a little fuzzy. I think, uh, um, yeah, what? I, I, I remember. So basically mm-hmm. they go back to the tower. Rapunzel goes on her own free will. But while she's there in her pocket, she has like something that she kept from the kingdom dance and it's the symbol of the sun. That's And right. while she's in there, she's looking around at her paintings that she's been painting her whole life. And she just kind of has this like gut feeling like, wait a second, I'm the lost princess. And she sees this sun reflected in all of her artwork as if subconsciously she's known all along. And so she has to confront Mother Gothel about this revelation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not 100% sure how Mother Gothel responds, but I think she's angry. I think she's mad. <laughs> um, and then Flynn is coming and he gets in there too. And mm-hmm. this is kind of now where I'm going fuzzy. Hopefully the listeners have a better remembrance, but <laughs> eventually someone gets stabbed. I know it gets to that point. <laughs> yeah. There's the elaborate breakout scene where yeah, the ruffians, they um, launch him out over the castle wall. The crazy, like if, if something like that, you know, they use, um, I don't know, like a barrel or something as a, to catapult Flynn <laughs> in this perfectly uh, calculated um, launch onto Maximus's back. And yeah, uh, just some, some major cartoon antics that I think if were utilized in something like Frozen, I'd be a little put off um, because I, I don't like when you break the reality too much. Um, but yeah, the, he he escapes the prison being hanged and yeah and ends up back at the tower you're right rapunzel did go back willingly with gothel but of course she has this whole new perspective on things um and yeah the she weird sort of um it's like a subliminal message that she's included in all of her paintings of this sun image that appeared in her bedroom when she was still an infant <laughs> um i guess uh that doesn't make a whole lot of sense but um hey I, I, there could have been any number of ways in which she figured out that she was actually the, the lost princess um this just happened to be the one that they she went kind with of has moments throughout the film sorry for interrupting but she no. does have moments throughout the film because in the very beginning uh she's really drawn in by the lights that's one thing um and then when she does get a hold of the tiara, she puts that on and looks in the mirror and kind of has a moment. And so does Pascal. He sort of looks at her like, wait a second. And then when they're in the kingdom, she sees this mosaic with baby Rapunzel. And you see her have the same color eyes, those green eyes. So she's kind of building up to it. But yeah, that sun is like the final catalyst. And while she's realizing that, like you said, Maximus and the, the ruffians are, are getting Flynn on his way back to the tower to hopefully save her. Cause I think he, he wants, he doesn't know she's the lost princess yet, but he just knows he loves her and that she's mm-hmm. in danger. Um, yeah. And he climbs up her hair and she's tied to a chair and I think gagged and mother Gothel had thrown her hair over for him to get up there. Yeah. 
yeah, she's going to deal with him now, the ultimate obstacle to her conquest. And uh, yeah, the brutal stabbing <laughs> in this movie uh, definitely earns its PG rating. But there's no blood, I don't think. Not on the knife. So on sad. his chest? <laughs> yeah, on his, uh, yeah, basically his torso. And he gets stabbed in the back, meaning that, you know, the, the blade went all the way through. So pretty, uh, <laughs> you know, severe. Um, but yeah, uh, the, he's, uh, he's toast. <laughs> and, he's uh, toast, but then Rapunzel's like, if you let me save him, I'll go anywhere with you, I promise. And I never break a promise. And I'll stay with you forever, but just let me save him. And Flynn Rider's like, no, no, like, I'm not worth it. Like, don't save me because he doesn't want her being taken away again. And ultimately, he, when Rapunzel goes to save him, he cuts all her hair off. And this is like a huge gasping moment, you know, because <laughs> you're like, oh, now Flynn's going to die. And now her hair is ruined. And yeah. what's going to happen next? You know, because the hair was the magic. It was such an inconvenience anyway, <laughs> having all It that. honestly would have been running through the woods. I always thought she needs 12 hours a day to brush that hair. Like that's a full-time job. It's 70 feet. I remember that they said that she's supposed to have 70 feet of mm -hmm. hair. Um, Interesting. He, he cuts it and it turns all brown and mm -hmm. she's a totally different girl again. And they keep her short brown hair in the, in the series that comes, that tangled the series. But uh, yeah. he's happy to do so. And then her tears. Is that kind of where she yeah. is able to save him again? She kind of has the phoenix tears going on from Harry Potter. They, they're capable of healing uh, all sorts of illness and wounds. Because, um, yeah, I guess she still has some of the power, just mm -hmm. not contained in her hair. So um, do we yeah. assume that she has magical tears forever? forward like does she keep the magic after all it's just no longer contained in her hair maybe i, I would say at least some um you know I, I would feel like if you know if you have magic in you at some point like it's hard for it to wear off that fast. go yeah yeah go away completely like usually you can tap into whatever that was that i guess there's magic from the sun um but I don't know. Yeah, do, does Rapunzel, like, is she capable of living an unnaturally long life? And, and would Flynn also, you know, would they retain their youth for centuries? Uh, I don't know. Being a couple. <laughs> they kind of keep that a question mark. They go yeah. right from her magical tears to being returned to her, her grieving other uh, father and mother my sister yeah. actually watched this movie last night and she recently had a baby and she yeah. couldn't even watch the final scene she was all choked up crying she's like if anyone ever took my baby i would never stop looking because the dad is crying and the mom is crying and rapunzel's uh -huh. crying they're all hugging and paula just couldn't couldn't handle that emotion <laughs> yeah a lot of waterworks going on uh the King and Queen never speak, kind of just probably a creative choice to keep the emotions a bit more uh, at the forefront, just portray the emotions through their eyes and, and uh, you know, mannerisms. Yeah, the 
pretty much live happily ever after. Uh, maybe Flynn and Rapunzel go on to live uh, unnaturally long lives, and that's why, Ooh. like centuries later, they show up at Arendelle. You know, assuming it's very that... <laughs> possible they go there for. I mean, you see them in that little moment on their way to uh, Elsa's coronation day. So yeah. I would love if you find out that they live 500 years instead of back then when people probably died at 35. The the movie doesn't labor on it too much, uh, yeah. appropriately so. And yeah, I would be happy to maintain in Frozen that Flynn and Rapunzel showing up at Elsa's coronation is just an Easter egg and isn't meant to have any significance. That's where we do. I want all <laughs> I want all the princess worlds to collide on National Princess Day. I would love to find out that in Frozen 2, like all the princesses come in. But we yeah. we got a little taste of that in uh Wreck It Ralph or what Ralph breaks the internet, so I, I can't complain. But I, I, I love that they're there. And I actually just Googled this for our listeners. So entangled the series, um, Rapunzel's hair is revealed to be indestructible and cannot be cut. It no longer the original powers to heal, but it can use new powers like protecting Rapunzel with a magical shield and, and this and that to keep the series probably okay. magical. So she, so she still has in the series some skills with the hair. Okay. So rendering the events of Frozen, you know, impossible mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of Rapunzel. Yeah, yeah, she does get her golden hair back in the in the cartoon series, uh, which I haven't seen. I was I wanted to maybe watch a couple episodes on Disney Plus uh, for this, but I just didn't get the time. Um, there was a short film, a follow-up to this, uh, Tangled Ever After, where Flynn and Rapunzel get married. It's very hilarious. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, is it a short before it's, a movie? Is that what you said? Yeah, I don't know um, where it first i think it may be i've seen children wearing her um wedding outfit and i know at the very end of the frozen oh sorry at the very end of the tangled movie uh it bookends again with flynn's narrating and he says she went on to you know become beloved by the kingdom and after a lot of begging and begging and begging i finally agreed to marry her and she's like <laughs> flynn you know yeah. like so i know they do get married i just don't know if i actually saw the short typical flynn rider sarcasm yeah yeah i think it accompanied one of disney's movies um in the it might maybe winnie the pooh or something uh the next year but or in the in the following years uh, but it yeah shows flynn and rapunzel getting married the horse maximus it's centered around him and his attempt to recover um, one, one of the rings. I, I don't think it's both the rings. I think it's just one uh, at, because he, he loses. Yeah, he loses. It goes on this totally bonkers madcap adventure throughout the castle trying to recover uh, the wedding ring slash rings. Um, <laughs> he, I'd have to yeah. rewatch it. It's I'm so looking hilarious. here and it says that it premiered in 2012 before the yeah. 3D theatrical release of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yep. Yep. So, Tangled wait, not the live action. It's talking about the 3D theatrical re release of Beauty and the Beast. I, I didn't right. realize that they brought that back to theaters. Um, 
and it looks also played on the Disney Channel, so mm-hmm. I, I'm sure kids have seen it from those. There's just things. there's a great homage to The Shining in this, where there's these giant casks of wine that get split open, and <laughs> just this torrential vat of red wine comes spilling out and goes down the the castle um, streets. You know, yeah, it, it's it's pretty great. Anyways. Yeah, and that's sort of just like how it wraps up. That's Tangled. Wedding. Yeah, that <laughs> is Tangled. And I'm happy we talked about it. Like, I know that I've probably said that over and over, but I think that this is more my favorite than, than Frozen. So it's kind of fun to revisit it because I feel mm-hmm. like Frozen has really taken over the world this year. And mm-hmm. I don't even need to talk about it in this podcast, but like it's on all of the merchandise and all of the commercials and all of the advertising breaks on Instagram. So it's nice to talk a little bit about Tangled, my first CGI princess. Yeah. Um, I, and people have hangups about CGI um, compared to 2D animation. I mean, the general public certainly pref- seems to prefer CGI. Uh, it, it sounds so mechanical when you say it. Oh, CG. It's, it's like something that, you know, it's, it's so, so sterile. It's robotic, you know, um, artificial compared to the traditional hand-drawn methods, more organic and, I don't know, artistic. Um, but I, I really love computer animation. Like Toy Story was such a revelation for me as a child. Video games were always such a thrill for me. Um, I, this style of animation is, it does supersede for me the, uh, you know, uh, at at least kind of the more modern hand-drawn method of everything being scanned into a computer and cleaned up there. Um, I, I just, I love this aesthetic. I think I'm a little, like, I'm old enough to be too nostalgic about the originals, but... Mm -hmm. Like, like I, I, I still think I'm a 2D person, but you know, if I'm being a completely honest person, Moana and Frozen and Tangled, like they're beautiful, like there's no denying. So, yeah. so I love them both, but it's apples and oranges. I think you can appreciate the old and be obsessed with the new and it, it doesn't have to be either or. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we get a plethora and we can watch them all on Disney Plus now. So we're set to go. We can enjoy it all. Well, we're spoiled. I'll have Did to you check out. Because I, I feel like that's a game changer for the Thodcast. I'm in the founder circle. I'll have to check out uh, the Tangled series. Uh, what's it called? To, uh, there, I think there's a name for it. I'm totally blanking. Sorry, brain's tired after over an hour chatting on a podcast. Oh, sorry. No, no, not your fault. (laughs) The people wanted to hear a little extra about about Disney Plus, but I haven't gotten it yet. I do think it's amazing. So you've already got to explore it a little bit. Can I ask what movie you watched first on it? The first thing I watched was The Mandalorian. Oh, that's the the Star Star Wars. Wars thing, right? Yep. Have you watched uh, any 2D movies yet? Any Pocahontas? Or I don't know what's all on there yet. I we we should just do an episode one day talking about Disney Plus. I know that's not all animation, but yeah, not a ton. 
we'll talk more on the Sodcast. Uh, I, I put on the original Star Wars while I played a, <laughs> one of my favorite Star Wars computer games one evening. Um, so that was a whole head trip. You know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so had to bask in the glory. Uh, <laughs> there's the, an infamous change now made to the original Star Wars yet again, I think by George Lucas that people are making a fuss about. Just another ad- addition to like the Han and Greedo cantina scene. It's, it's pretty insignificant, kind of hilarious, but uh, I had to, I had to uh, see it for myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, Han Solo, by the way, definitely a template for Flynn Rider. Uh, in many ways. Philip, I haven't seen any of the Star Wars, so I'm letting you down. Well, uh, we fasten on when it comes to the Star Wars tidbits. Maybe an upcoming episode will be, we don't have time to do the whole saga leading up to the rise of Skywalker, but um, we'll have to do something Star Wars themed in the near future. We got to wrap this up and I uh, want to thank you, Jody, so, so much for coming on. Talking about Tangled, uh, one of the all-time seminal pieces of disney animation um it uh yeah will go on to have a a long life it wasn't quite the outrageous success that like frozen was i i guess it probably just didn't quite have like that that um you know the the song that broke out so heavily and you know created a, a national movement and all that but um yeah, Tangled. You you said you prefer Tangled to Frozen. Um, I'm I'm the other way, <laughs> and that's fine. You know, the Thodcast conversations about animation is heavily inspired by Frozen, and my love of the film. And um, this, there would be no Frozen without Tangled. Um, yeah. So where can we love them both? People, what's that? Oh, I said we can love them both. I, I I'm not going to complain because I, I I would be lying if I wasn't saying that I have a countdown till Frozen 2. Like, I'm going Friday, you're going Thursday. So I'm hoping we're both going to be back super soon to do our review on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Today, Thursday, and many more times seeing Frozen 2. Where can the folks listening find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. It's just my name, which is Jody Pulaski, J-O-D-I-P-O-L-A-S-K-Y. And then you can find me here on the Thodcast uh, we've kind of been kind of switching who's been speaking, but I, I hope to be back super soon to go through some more art of animation with you. Yes, Jody Pulaski, the owner and operator of Pretty Princess Parties. Uh, check yep, them out. Yep, every day's National Princess Day. <laughs> I wasn't joking about that. It's, uh, we're recording this on National Princess Day. Also, Mickey Mouse's birthday. Happy birthday, Mickey Mouse. And uh, you can find the Thodcast at thodcast.com on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, at Thodcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me, Philip Elke, at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. Well, thank you all so much. And uh, thank you, Jody. Um, you all have a magical day. Oh, no, you should tell them, Philip. Yeah. In Rapunzel fashion, you should tell everyone to have the best day ever. She have, says that. Have the best day ever. Warm hugs, everyone. Bye-bye.